We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. Tons more NBA news to get into and actually another trade deadline rumor, even though it's passed. We'll talk a little bit about that. Some stuff that almost happened at the trade deadline, a bunch of news, some injury stuff, some signings, all sorts of things to dive into. Joining me as always is Keith Smith. Keith, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, we we had so much from the weekend that it was yesterday's show was like all right let's uh we'll save some for tomorrow (laughs) and then tomorrow came and it delivered even more stuff on top like the the league just doesn't stop it's a lot of stuff going going on right now you know what it is it's it's like everybody's cramming before vacation right like they're they're all just trying to get it all in before they go on vacation on uh for most of the league wednesday and for the uh, last few on thursday how bad do you think those teams feel? Those six teams that are playing on Thursday have, have got to be like, oh, man. I mean, seriously, by the time they tip off, they're seeing messages, pictures, stuff like oh, that yeah. being posted from their buddies on the beach somewhere, and they've got to play play another game. Those guys have got to be so – it's like having to, having to come to school the day after summer <laughs> vacation starts. Yeah, I was looking at it. It's uh, Timberwolves and Trailblazers are the last game on Thursday, and it's oh, the traditional 10 p.m. Eastern start for uh, Portland, so seven local time. And those guys got to be like, "What the heck?" Like everybody else has been on vacation for well over a full day now. Like, and here, here we are uh, out, out to lunch with this. But yeah, it's it, it's got it, it's got to be a little bit rough. But you, know, you got to lock in, get get focused. There's uh, that's right. You know, we, we only got we only got a few days left to go uh, before before everybody goes to break. But you, that's why we're seeing some of these weird results that yeah. this last week is all these teams are a little, you know, you can tell which ones are a little checked out, which ones are, I think we're already hit the point of the season too, where there's a handful of teams that are, they're kind of done with the regular season and are just like, yeah. okay, just get, give that's me the all-star fun. break. I'll refocus after. And that'll last for probably about two, three weeks. And then, then March will hit and we all know what March looks like. And then it'll be, all right, get us to the playoffs healthy. The Clippers from last night against the Wolves probably fall in, in that category. A Not a great bit, outing yeah. for for them, but um, Minnesota's defense was great that, in the second. Certainly, half take nothing game. away from Minnesota. Yeah, they were true. they were fantastic. No, were but fantastic. yeah, I mean, I think the Nuggets to some extent against the Bucks. I, I think they kind of like once they get down, they're like we're not putting effort into a comeback you know, like we're mm-hmm. we're gonna call call it a night and, and they yeah. got they get drilled and credit to the bucks because the bucks needed a win like that i think against a good team where it is hey let's come on pop somebody and yes i know they drilled the celtics but the celtics basically in that game took a similar approach to the nuggets where it was like hey we're on a back-to-back after a weird uh travel schedule like we're just gonna punt on this one at halftime so it, it kind of is what it is but yeah yeah, I'm uh, very uh, curious to see what what the next couple of days bring. But let's get into it because we got a lot of news, a lot of transactional news, a lot of transactional news for us to get into. Uh, real quick, if, if you do want to get an insight into all the games around the league and kind of what's been going on, check out the basketball bulletin. I'll put the link in the description down below. That's Keith and I's uh, Substack. Keith does a great job breaking down all the different stuff that's happening in his game notes, which come to, right to your inbox when you subscribe. So go check uh, t- take a look at that. And uh, yeah, we we've had a lot of fun doing this so far. So make sure you guys do give that a look. Again, I'll put the link in the description down below. Wemby. You get some Wemby notes from last night because he was mm-hmm. ridiculous. He was everything we thought he would be. Uh, That's it, right. Last night game, it kind of all came to fruition, and it was it was unbelievable. So there's there's notes on him, but you gotta subscribe if you want to see those notes. 
go check them out. Go check them out again. Use that link in the description down below. All right, let's start here. Uh, Kyle Kuzma gave us a little, little intel from the trade deadline. It sounds like he had the option to become a Dallas Maverick, and he said, no, thank you, um, to the point where the trade was actually brought to him. So that tells you that was pretty far along in the negotiation and was pretty much asked by the Wizards, hey, what you know, what do you want to what do you want to do here? Do you want to go to Dallas? And he said he would rather stay in Washington and continue building. So I guess uh, two things. First of all, what do you think that trade really looked like? Was this just the PJ Washington trade? Like the Mavs just pivoted to PJ Washington after getting a no on Kuzma with the Wizards, and obviously they got Daniel Gafford as well. So maybe it was a uh, a deal for Kuzma and Gafford, but. Um, and then number two, are you surprised at all? Because typically we think, oh, players always going to want to go to the better team. Are you surprised that Kuzma decided to stay in Washington rather than go to Dallas? Yeah, the last one does surprise me a little bit. He he explained in the piece like he's won a championship, and I think some people are kind of clowning on him right now, and like Kyle Kuzma doesn't care about winning. And I didn't take it that way at all. I took it mm-hmm. as. I've already won a title. Like I'd like to try to win another title here. Like I'd try to be, I really want to be a part of building this team up and getting this team back to being, you know, something really special. And, and I think what's, what's kind of interesting about that is then that kind of leads you into the rest of it. So I, I, I'm, I'm surprised because I generally think most guys would say, yeah, get me to a good team. Let's go. And I'll go play with Luca. Exactly. Right. And for the life of Kuzma's contract, it, they, Dallas should be a pretty good team where who knows what the Wizards will be. And also, there's nothing saying in four months, five months, the Wizards aren't going to trade him anyway and trade him somewhere where maybe he doesn't have as much interest in being. Right. All that said, Kyle Kuzma did not have a no-trade clause. He, he has no ability to block a trade. There's nothing like that. This was just the Wizards basically kind of going to a guy that they've committed to and saying, Hey, let's let's work through this together. Like, where are you at? And that part of it is really cool. I think that's a a different sort of thing that we don't see very often. Now, what would the trade have been? We don't know, right? And, and we'll probably never really know. Mm-hmm. But my guess is it was probably some combination between the PJ Washington trade and maybe Dallas said, "All right, we can't get Kuzma, so let's pivot to Washington," or there was a or it was just going to be an expanded trade with Gafford. And right. we also don't know, did they go get Washington and that, or go get, yeah, that's confusing, right? Did they the go Washington get PJ and Washington, Washington? I know. <laughs> yeah. Did they go get PJ Washington, the player, and then come back to Dallas and say, hey, we still want another big. We know the Kuzma thing's out, but what can we do for Daniel Gafford? Right. You know, it could have gone down any kind of way like that. But that's the the fun thing. Trade talks are rarely just, we want one guy. Sometimes they are. Sometimes a team will call and they're really focused on, we need a backup point guard. We want player X. If you're not interested, we're moving on to team two to talk about their backup mm-hmm. point guard or whatever. But other times we get in a position where it is a lot more of a, hey, yeah, we don't really want to do the Kuzma thing, but what do you think about Gafford? And and then the conversation goes from there. So, you know, all around, I think Washington had a okay trade deadline. I thought the Gafford trade was was pretty good for them to get a first round yeah. pick in that trade. So I, I, I thought that was good. But yeah, I, I the Kuzma thing is definitely an interesting after the fact story. Yeah. I mean, again, you would normally think, all right, guy's going to jump at the opportunity to go play with Luca, play with Kyrie, maybe win a championship. They're making all these moves, that, that type of thing. But um, I, I do wonder how much of it is, you know, Kyle Kuzma won a championship playing behind LeBron, playing behind AD with the coaching staff that admitted that they didn't know how to use him, that they couldn't figure out exactly how to make the most of his abilities. Now he gets to do his thing and show what he can really be. He goes to Dallas. He's going to be, once again, just trying to fit into a role with the Mavs. He's not going to be able to really reach maybe his full potential there. So I can understand why he'd see that as maybe a step back, even though I think most players would not. Most players would say, yes, let's go. But I kind of get Kyle Kuzma's perspective here, though you are right. It could turn around and and burn him because they could wind up just moving him this summer anyway, but we'll see. We'll see what ultimately happens there with with Washington and Kyle Kuzma. But but I do like that that Washington actually went to Kuzma and said, hey, what do you want to do? And ultimately, Kuzma got to make the decision uh, on the trade. That's I do do think that shows some real buy-in from the organization to the player, to Kyle Kuzma, to say, hey, we're going to let you have a voice in this. We're not just going to trade you, you know, without, without getting your thoughts. 
It also sends a message to anybody else down the line of, mm-hmm. hey, you sign here. This is a partnership. We're going to work together on these kind of things. Now, they turn around and trade Kuzma somewhere, and Kuzma's like, I didn't want to go to Team X. <laughs> like, what, what in the world later? Then maybe maybe things change up. But for now, I, I think it's a uh, very uh, – it, it's this is a good message to send of, hey, we take care of our guys here. Like, let's let's be be clear about that. And that's – it's not a, it's never a bad thing, right. To have players thinking that way, even mm-hmm. if you're maybe still a couple of cycles out from trying to add uh, to, to the team through free agency or trade or whatever it may be. Uh, I think Washington's probably got one more full transaction cycle, meaning the off season and the next trade deadline of really rebuilding. And then maybe after that, it's time to start building it back up a little bit, but it's never a bad thing to have that out there. Did you also see, we didn't put it in here. Did you see Carmelo Anthony's interview where he said Oklahoma City is the best run organization in the league? I did oh, not. So. Yeah. That's he, interesting. Yeah, he talked a lot about, you know, they basically, the I'm very much paraphrasing, but the question was more or less like, hey, you played for a lot of teams. Like, what, what stands out? And he kind of said, Oklahoma City is the best run organization in the league. He's like, from top to bottom. And you're hearing more and more of that. Like, guys are. Well, they've been great. Um, yeah, guys are very, um, you know, complimentary. Like Al Horford uh, basically says, like, they saved my career. Like, going mm-hmm. there, they, you know, got me healthy. They rehabbed me. They got me back on track. And and now here he is, you know, years later, still a productive uh, member of the Celtics rotation. So I, it, it's very interesting to, to think about that, right? Small market team, a uh, place where we continue here. Like, nobody wants to be there. But I think sometimes what happens is guys get to some of these small markets and when they get there, they discover, Hey, this isn't so bad, right? Like this is actually pretty good. Like I'm very happy to be here and I still have half a year where I can be somewhere else if I want to be right. Like I can still be in LA or in Miami or in New York or somewhere else in the world or whatever. So yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. I'll try to find it and we we can, uh, I'll draw, drop it on my Twitter or something. If I can find the link to uh, where the article came from. You know, beauty is something that it's always in the eye of the beholder. And I can't say I've spent a bunch of time in Oklahoma city. I've flown through there before that doesn't really count there. I have driven through the area and, uh, and there's certain times of the year where that area is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, so it's not, I know people say it's not, you know, it's not LA, it's not New York. Sure, it's, it's not, but it does have its own charm, uh, definitely. And again, the seasons there can be absolutely fantastic when it doesn't get too, too cold. It gets a little yeah. cold for my, for my liking, but, but then again, I, I am, you know, warm blooded Southern California kid. So that's, that's well, the yeah. way that goes. Well, what is it? The winds go whipping across the plane. Isn't, isn't that how the song goes? That's right. Something to that effect. Something to that yeah, effect. Something like that. We'll save that uh, for this summer's musical episode. Yes, yeah, but that's we're really out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will be the worst, the lowest viewed episode. Yeah, uh, subscriber base history. will plummet. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, uh, let's get to this. This is a story you and I talked about this very briefly yesterday. I don't understand it, and I didn't want to spoil it, so I didn't do any digging on this, Keith. So you told me yesterday. Put in the title, Zaire Smith signs a 12-day contract, and I instantly did probably what everybody else hearing this right now <laughs> is doing. What? There's no such thing as a 12-day contract. What? What is this? What is going on? Yeah, so there, there still technically is not any such thing as a 12-day contract. What Zaire Smith did, uh, and then uh, Tosan Awamam, um, who was with the Memphis Grizzlies. He, he had uh, uh, been with them on a 10-day hardship. He now signed one, an 11-day uh, contract with the Detroit Pistons. So just a little point of education here for everybody on the show. A 10-day contract runs for the greater of 10 days or three games. Because oh. we're going into the All-Star break, mm-hmm. in Smith's case, the Cavs played two games before the All-Star break. Then there's like the week off, and then they play one more game after. So he gets a 12th day. Awoman comes in, and he will get an 11 day because the Pistons play, I think it's, again, two games. He signed uh, yesterday, uh, right? What's today? Today is Tuesday. So Smith yes. signed Sunday. Awoman signed on Monday. 
So what happens is he gets an 11 day Pistons play two games and then they come back after the all-star break with a third game. So every once in a while, a 10 day contract turns into slightly longer. Everybody's wondering, yes, they get extra days of pay. It's still counts That's what as I was a wondering. 10 day contract, but in this case, Zaire Smith gets, gets 12 days of uh, pay. So, and it's prorated uh, for their, their uh, individual salary. So uh, in Smith's case, it's a two year, he's a two year player. Um, so he gets the two year veteran minimum amount, but he gets it for 12 days versus 10 days. Tosan Awuman gets it for um, 11 days at the rookie minimum because he's a rookie player uh, when undrafted um, there. Other cool, just cool thing. Cool for Zaire Smith to make it back um, into the NBA. He, if people don't know, you can Google this and look. He almost died. He had a um, severe allergic reaction and to, um, uh, I think he said it was cashew chicken, I think, or maybe peanut Mm -hmm. chicken or something like that. But he had a severe allergic reaction and he almost died. And he ended up losing over 60 pounds. And this was a guy who didn't, this is not me. He does not have 60 pounds to lose. Like he he was a pretty slight dude to begin with and uh, had to really work his way back into just physical shape to be able to do anything and then let alone get himself back into condition. He's had a nice year in the G League and the Cavs who had to fill a roster spot after some of their maneuvering uh, here in the last um, little bit, especially after uh, waving Ricky Rubio. They had a uh, roster spot to fill, so they fill it with uh, Smith temporarily, and we'll kind of see how this goes from here. So just a k- cool story all around and, yeah. and a fun little quirk uh, transactionally there with the 12-day contract. I had forgotten about that. That um allergic reaction thing that that was unbelievable i remember when we were talking about that story i think it was last year um it's good to see that he's battled back of course that's Mm -hmm. absolutely crazy um all right let's let's get to this we do have uh, some news from today thad young winds up joining the the phoenix suns after getting a buyout so uh so thad young to phoenix uh he's not obviously the guy that he once was uh as off the top of my head i believe he's 35 now but Thad Young is, uh, you know, he's he's another wing player, can play a little bit at the bigger positions. I know he's used a little bit at the center spot and not necessarily super effective there. But when when Toronto had to have somebody uh, at the five, they they turned to Thad Young when uh, Jakob Pertl was out. So this is just kind of another depth piece here for Phoenix to add. Again, not a guy who's going to move the needle a ton, but a solid veteran. It's not going to make waves in the locker room or anything like that. And, and somebody that you could turn to just as part of your wing or, or big rotation. Yeah, in the prime of his career, Dad Young was a very much a switchable combo forward, yes. and he could step out and shoot it. He doesn't really do the step out and shoot it anymore. Uh, th- this year and last year, he was under 20% each year on very low attempts per game. So uh, he did get into 23 games, started six games for Toronto. Most of those games came when the Raptors had Jakob Pertl out, and they kind of, rather than disrupt one of their bench guys they be, this was obviously before they had kelly olenic they they just pulled dad young in and said hey you're gonna start mm-hmm. uh tonight he he had been uh traded at the trade deadline he was part of, which is kind of funny the the trade was dad young and dennis schroeder for spencer dinwiddie and now dennis schroeder's the only guy left on the team uh from that trade with the nets and the other two guys have both been waived so uh but yeah i mean i guess if you're the sons it's the, you you ju- you're just going to keep trying stuff in those yeah. last couple roster spots. And for some reason, Thad Young isn't getting it done. And some other big that seems like he may comes in, you might snag him. But yeah, much more of a four or five now than the switchable forward that he used to be. Just doesn't move his feet well anymore. But knows what knows what he's doing out there at this point, obviously, in his career. And, and Phoenix probably likes the idea of, hey, let's have one more vet on the bench. Because putting a kid on our bench this late into a season – there's no real development minutes to be had. We're trying to gear up for seeding and then for a playoff run. So we'd much rather have a vet that can at least step in for 10, 15 minutes if we need them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's all you're looking for now if you're Phoenix. Just a guy who's been through it, a guy who's got experience that if you plug him in, you know he's not going to freeze in the big moment because Thad Young has already seen it seen it all. So that's all Phoenix is really looking for. So solid uh, addition there. Uh, Keith, let's, uh, let's complain about referees for a minute. The officials mess up the end of Knicks Rockets, calling a foul on Jalen Brunson that was not a foul and effectively ended the game and it wound up being a loss for the Knicks. Now I will say I liked that afterwards the referees just very in their in their pool interview just matter of factly said this was not the correct call and, yeah. and admitted to it all that like we understand there's a human element to this. Are Knicks fans mad? Yes, they probably should be mad. That was uh not the way that you want to see a game end. But I'm glad we didn't get the well. There was a slight bit of contact. The shooter felt a breeze or or some trying to justify it. the refs just said look uh, it, not in these exact words, but said, hey, we blew it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people said, why wasn't this reviewed? It's not a, there was no reason to review it. The, the Knicks, I, I don't know if the Knicks didn't have a timeout. I don't know where they were at, but they did not challenge it. So there's nothing to trigger a review then. There, there, yeah. there was not, it was, it was a foul call. And on a foul call, you, you, you move on and, and you shoot the free throws and you go. And yeah. And, and just so people know, what generally happens is the NBA officials, they go through, they get graded on every single game that they do. Um, every single game that they, they officiate, they get graded by the, um, the, the league office officiating department goes through. But whenever there is a big call, they will go back and immediately review it in the locker room, especially if they know, Hey, there may be a pool report coming. Now it gets a little worrisome when all of a sudden it feels like these pool reports come in waves like we won't have any for a week or two. And then we'll mm -hmm. have like three, like in the span of two or three nights, like we'll right. just get a bunch of them in a row. Uh, it's usually more about like, why was a player ejected or what happened at the end of the first quarter when you ruled off, you know, ruled off a basket or whatever. This one was obviously at the very end of the game. And to your, to your point. Yeah. I mean, they took credit and said, yeah, we blew it. Like it was a bad call. Like there was the contact was made long after the shot was gone. And it is what it is with that. So I, I've seen some people say, well, if the Knicks are that upset, don't be down. Don't, don't have to fight in a tight no, game. That stuff's ridiculous. Oh, matter. just play, like, just you, play better through the rest yeah, of the game. And then you don't sure, have to worry about it. Right? Like, Oh yeah. Like it's a decision, yeah. you know? Yeah, hey, exactly. Oh yeah. We chose to not play as well as we yeah. could during the bulk of the game. Yeah. So it's on, uh, you know, I mean, that's ridiculous. And if there's anything, I guess, like I would say is like, maybe be a little more careful with a closeout at the final last sure. shot, but, but you're trying to make sure the guy doesn't get a clean look. And the reality is he didn't follow him. Like it, it kind of, you know, is what it is. And people have said, like, can the Knicks file a protest? I don't know that the Knicks did or didn't. That usually is something where you have to do that in the immediate moment and say, we're playing the rest of this game under protest. I don't think we're going to get the New York Knicks flying back to Houston to make up the final some odd second of a game and mm -hmm. then play an overtime period on an off day here in the springtime. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think basically everybody's going to be like, yeah, we blew it. It sucks, but you lost and so be it. And, and it's tough because the Knicks are clearly, you know, they're in a fight They're They're trying to stay, stay up in the top half of the Eastern conference. They're, they're battling with, with some teams and now, it's a game that they lose, but it, nothing's nothing is going to happen to to like change anything here. 
with the with the protest, I, I believe the standard is that you have to be able to show that a rule was improperly applied, like a player was yeah. given sick was ejected from a game for six fouls or or disqualified from a game for six fouls when that he really only had five. Not yeah, and not like the 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 ref thought there was contact on a play and there wasn't. I mean, because then you could start going back and go, oh well, look, it actually it actually touched yeah. that guy's finger. Yeah. Should have been our yeah. ball out of bounds. Protest this and. And replay on that layup I don't think in that's the second work. quarter. He brushed his back, and you know, here, right. but it regardless, I don't, nothing has come out that the Knicks protested, and it would have again, it would have had to have been done right then and there. And that's not like, a, like it wasn't apparently. So, yeah. I, I think Tom Thibodeau and everybody like who would handle that part of it for the Knicks, I think they've they've been around enough to know sometimes you're on the short end of a crappy uh decision and loss. and there's you, you you're served nothing by you know complaining about it more than that uh, moment and then you move on and move on to the next game and that's that's what i expect they'll do but big picture happen. when we look at, at plays like this i i will say that i think that we've we've gone a little too far now in terms of protecting shooters um that's that's something that i've been noticing now over the last couple of years in the nba where we had that and we've talked about that this a little bit but we had that you know you you don't want to get into a shooter's landing space and all that now we're getting to the point you know this is one of my pet peeves jump shooters who fall down now we've got guys who take jumpers and on purpose hurl themselves to the ground mid jump shot not because they're trying to make the shot, not because it improves their form or because they got hit, but because they think they can trick a referee into giving them a call, even if there wasn't contact there or if the contact was at best minimal and didn't do anything to change change their shot. Um, I think, and I'm not saying it should be a massive tweak, but I do think we've gone a little too far in, in terms of protecting jump shooters and that maybe this is kind of a, an example, one of the worst examples of it, where we're so protective of jump shooters that now we're just conditioned to make calls, even if there's not really anything there. Yeah, I, I, there's such a fine line between the whole, it clearly was getting out of control with guys landing, like like being sure. in their, their airspace. But some of these guys, even when it is their natural shooting motion, their natural shooting motion carries them a foot forward. Right. We're going to hear this in the next couple of days here when it's the three point contest. They're going to talk about this guy has an extreme. They always talked about that with JJ Reddick, right? He doesn't do well in three point contests because he's a, he's an extreme jump shooter who lands forward. So he has to reset versus the guy who kind of shoots almost more of a set shot who gets it and just is straight up and down. And that's, that's a real thing. So some guys do land forward. And then if you're the defender, it's like, I have to play five feet off the guy and just put a hand up because because I know he's going to land two feet forward. And if I step two feet forward, then he's going to land. I'm going to be in his area. And and you also can't expect the players. Yeah, they have to know their their personnel, right? KYP. But you can't you don't you can't expect them in the moment to remember. Oh, this guy jumps way forward on his shot and this guy goes straight up and down the ones that get me is the ones where it's like you close out almost body to body and then it's that extra step i'm fine with giving the call there um you know and get, giving the flare gun but it's like some of these it's like what are we doing here like just just move on and play like it's mm -hmm. and then these reviews like the ones that are killing me are the reviews where it's like we're reviewing for a hostile act and it's like it was a it was a hard foul but there's nothing hostile like we we just go. I've said it before. I no, I don't want it to go back to uh, Kevin McHale close on and Kurt Rambis into the front row of the seats. But like, we're just taking too long on some of this stuff. Like, it just like, come on, shoot your free throws and move move along. Like, just play. Well, and, and we're not. This hasn't been too big of an issue that I've seen so far. But there is a trigger in in terms of uh, whether or not a play is reviewed on based on injury if a player is is hurt in some way that triggers a review as well that's part of the, the qualifications for what can trigger a review it's contact to the head is it is there is there an injury on a play so to me and again i don't think it's it's become too big of a problem now but you are starting to see some situations where a player stays down maybe a little longer than than you think that they should yeah. in order to trigger a review now my concern of course and yours is probably the same keith um is that someday we are very far away from it now but that we get into soccer territory 
yeah, where yeah. where guys just guys hit. I mean, it drives me crazy in soccer, especially late in the game when teams are trying to waste time and it's hold the ball, hold the ball, defend, defend, defend you know, keep away, keep away, keep away. As soon as you lose the ball, fall down, stay down as long as you can, burn as much clock as you can, all that kind of. Obviously, there's not a time wasting element to this, but those kind of theatrics you just don't want to see. Uh, in the NBA, so that's another another area when we're talking about what is a flagrant foul, what isn't. I that's something I'm keeping a close eye on, where players are incentivized to stay down longer than um, longer than maybe they would have otherwise in order to tr- to trigger the review. I've seen a few instances of it this year. I'm not saying it's a problem right now. I don't think it is, but it's something I want to. I'm I'm a, definitely aware of and keeping a close eye on. Yeah, for sure. It's it's. Let's just like I said. Play, just play. Yes. Like that's, play that's the game. At the end of the day, like just, just play. We, no, nobody wants all this. Free throws are. I. It's funny. Our our mutual buddy Jeff Siegel, who now works for Clutch Sports, one of the. I don't think it was one of the last things he wrote, but he wrote a whole thing about like get rid of free throws. Went back when he was covering the NBA, mm-hmm. and I was like, dude, you're, you're like this, this is pretty radical, and um. So like I tease them whenever like the G League, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they experimented with the whole shoot one free throw to get two points kind of thing. Like it was like, we're, we're, we're not going to spend time on free throws because yeah. in reality is they're the worst part of the game. Like nobody, there's nothing happening. Right. It's like, that's why like I get nothing makes me angrier than a game where each team shoots like 35 or 40 free throws. Cause it's sure. like, Oh, cool. So, you know, people like, I don't know, like, cause you always get some random person in your mentions who are like, like, oh, it's a big part of the game. Like I enjoy good free throw shooting. And it's like, they go to the CYO on Saturday and watch the free throw <laughs> shootout. Like, what are we doing? Like, this is not like, nobody wants to watch this. Like I enjoy it from the standpoint of, yeah, great. You made your free throws. Like, let's go. But yeah, it's um, it, that's again. We we we'll do that free throw episode after we uh, do the musical <laughs> episode. In August. We've got so, so ends the Trevor and Keith <laughs> complain about NBA rules segment of the of the show. Um, <laughs> let's let's give a shout out to our our sponsor here. Bet US. We are America's favorite sports book, and to celebrate our thirty year anniversary, we are giving one hundred twenty five percent sign up bonus and up to thirty risk free bets. So what are you waiting for? Join now. Bet US, great sponsors, super, super easy to get going with them. You can find the link in the description down below. You can see right there on your screen that big yellow get started box at the top. Super easy. You go click that. You can jump right into whatever you want. You can look at all the different games. Like we want to take a look at uh, Keith's Celtics taking on the Nets tonight. We can look at that and we can take a look at the different uh, opportunities that you've got there. You can look at all the different odds, all the different plays that you can make. Super, super easy. All the different props. Uh, you've got the Celtics winning by one to two points, winning by three to six points, seven to nine points. All the different things that you can go through. You can find anything that you want, really, on BetUS. Tons and tons of different options. And again, super easy to use. They've got great customer support. They're 24-7 for you. So go check them out. Use that link in the description down below. That is BetUS. Great sponsor for us. All right, Keith, let's get into our next topic here. Uh, and let's go Let's go here. We, we mentioned this a little bit yesterday. Terry Rozier avoided serious injury, but I know uh, Miami is also dealing with an injury to Josh Richardson. So Rozier, as I recall, he's going to get reevaluated in, in it was a couple of weeks, if I'm remembering correctly. And now Josh Richardson, where's he at? Yeah, so with Rozier, it's a sprained knee, which is very... Uh, good news because yes. he drove for a layup. He got fouled. He landed very awkwardly, like knee almost like buckled, like back underneath him. And then he uh, left the court. Looked like he was in considerable pain. He worried, is this going to be something serious? They're saying week to week for him. Like they'll 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 look at it. So probably a couple weeks would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Josh Richardson on a play, he lost the ball, uh, reached out to try to recover it, and ended up um, dislocating his shoulder. Uh, on the play and he was immediately down and and this was in both of these happened in the game against the Celtics on Super Bowl Sunday and both of these guys are former Celtics and played with a lot of the guys on the current roster so the Celtics players too were like like Josh Richardson went down and Jason Tatum was right next to him and Jason Tatum immediately was like get like get out here like this is bad um they're saying multiple weeks for him as well so sounds probably like Julius Randle 
uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see in probably three-ish weeks or so what it looks like and then kind of go from there. And on top of that, Jimmy Butler, uh, unfortunately, due to a death in the family, yeah. um, was granted a leave of absence. And it sounds like he's going to miss a couple games, which obviously that take, takes it through the All-Star break and then we'll kind of go from there. So I think it's um, it, it's just like Miami's going through it right, right now. And this is a team that is, I think, pretty safe in that they'll be a postseason team they're up they're, they're in eighth right now to fall all the way out the nets are six and a half games behind them that's mm-hmm. not gonna happen but miami is kind of battling trying to get into that top six line in that assured playoff spot they're a game behind orlando and indiana who are now sixth and seventh and the heat are two and a half up on the bulls who are at nine so we'll see what happens you know clearly down uh two starters for at least through the all-star break and one key reserve. And this is a team that's been pretty banged up all year long. So they're, they're going to have to go through it a little bit. A lot of Tyler hero minutes uh, coming, mm-hmm. um, especially with the ball in his hands. Cause they don't have other uh, ball handlers with Butler Richardson and Rogier out. Those are their main, main uh, ball handlers too. So oh, uh, tricky spot. That doc rivers would be so upset. They're going to hero ball. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a Tuesday. I don't know what. I don't even know what apparently, that means. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, you're still recovering from the trade deadline, or you're apparently at, at this point. At this point, um, okay. Were you, were you celebrating the, the Chiefs win a little bit too hard? Come on now. I was not celebrating the Chiefs. I was pulling for the 49ers in that I was one, um, and I was pulling pulling for them. Uh, but I I wasn't really overly concerned with the over with the outcome of the game either way. But uh, but no, I. I <laughs> I did not. Uh, I was not celebrating that one too much. By the end of the game, my daughter was so mad. My daughter is a Swifty because she's they, she's a teenage girl, and they all are apparently. Um, so she likes Travis Kelsey, and every time they showed Travis Kelsey, like I would just say Gronk's better, and she was so <laughs> angry by the end of the game. <laughs> like she was like, "Stop saying that!" And then she was like, "He can't even make the kick." <laughs> so and I was like, "He's not a kicker." That's right. That's right. He's not a kicker. Come on. Um, yeah, that ended up being, I mean, I know the NFL's made a ton of money off of the whole Taylor Swift thing and, and all of that, but uh, I don't know. I, I thought that I thought some of the outcry over it was a, a little bit much when people were getting like super upset every time they showed her and stuff like that. But, you uh, that? What's that? How many times they showed her and for how long? Oh, they, they ran, the, they counted yeah. it. Yeah, they, they should have yeah, counted like how many seconds on average. Yeah, yeah. they showed her 12 times in the course of the game, and uh, it was a total of 54 seconds in a four-and-a-half-hour broadcast. So, wait. That's that's still a lot. Like, how many times did you cut to each coach, I wonder? And for how yeah, much Yeah, it was time more probably? than that. Like, they, 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 because yeah. then they put it up against, like, how many times they did a close-up on the quarterbacks. And okay. Like, Stuff. And it 54 total seconds and a four, it's like 0.36% of the entire like like broadcast right. time. Like it, yeah, whatever. It's it it's like old men complaining nonsense. And like I can't even get there. And I'm a grumpy old crank all the time. <laughs> so like <laughs> I was like, whatever, I don't really care. They can show her all they want. Then yeah, again, if the Patriots are in it, I'd probably be slightly more aggravated. Well, because you'd be more like, like, oh, I just want to focus on the game. Yeah, exactly. Stop, stop yeah. cutting to Taylor's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, again. I've turned into, because the Patriots haven't been there now for several years, I've turned into, like, the guy I hated at the Super Bowl party. He was like, everybody shut up. The commercials are on. Like, I've, <laughs> I've become that guy in the last few years, and I hated that guy. I stopped having Super Bowl parties are going to them because i was like my team's in it i want to focus on the on the game and now right i I care about the game and yeah the people who don't care about the game are super annoying if you care about the game like if you're really into it that that is uh that is definitely a thing all right um paul george still wants an extension done with the clippers why is this not done like the Kawhi thing got done we thought this was going to be like right behind it and still no extension here for paul george and the clippers yet but paul george says yeah, I, I want to get this done. I even saw a rumor last week that like, oh, maybe he'll go back to Indiana. Uh, what's what is what is going on here? Yeah, there's been all kinds of those rumors that are floating around of like yeah. Philadelphia be in play and mm-hmm. all that. And a bunch of Clippers people, you you probably know this just tangentially better than I do. But people talk about every game his parents are at every game. And I 
I, I believe, I apologize if I have this wrong. I believe his mom is in a wheelchair. And like they, they talk about how every game, like he goes over and helps her at home mm-hmm. games, obviously helps her like into her wheelchair from her seat that she sits in and like how much it means to him to have his parents at, at all of his games and all that people are like, I just can't see him being like, yep, I'm out to go live across the country right. away from the family. When it meant so much to be there. It sounds like from reading various things and the people cover the Clippers closely, sounds like the major sticking point is he wants four years and Kawhi did three and the Clippers want to do three. I think they want to try to keep those two aligned so that it is, Hey, when it's time to go in a different direction, it just becomes, we're not having one of you sit here on $50 million a year without the other one. So my guess is this will get done. He his, his response when he was asked, uh, Justin Russo actually asked him the questions. He does a great job covering the Clippers. Um, he was asked, like, what's going on with the extension? He's like, still the goal. And then he was asked, like, a follow-up, and he repeated, that's still the goal. So I, my guess is it'll get done. Some Somebody yeah. will give somewhere on something, and it'll that, that'll be what it is. Either he'll take slightly less money for the fourth year or – the Clippers will just give in. I, 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 I'd be surprised if if he gets into free agency. I, I just yeah. can't see it happening. I mean, the clock is ticking to some degree because free agency is yeah. coming. But still, yeah, I, I think it gets done as well. Yeah. Um, let's talk expansion, which we actually got a little bit of news on. Adam Silver did an interview and, and talked a bit about Mexico City. Uh, so what's going on there? Is, is Seattle, Vegas getting the boot? It's going to be Mexico City instead? No. Uh, he was uh, pretty... Uh, clear like they they like the arrangement they've had with mexico city talked about how they have a world-class arena and they've enjoyed playing the regular season games that they've played there he talked a little bit about the g league but he basically said it's probably not not likely in the next wave of expansion which again it's coming like he he's now basically openly said like expansion's coming so just like hold hold, hold your horses like, like it is coming and it's coming uh, sooner rather than later. But he did say over time, it's probably realistic that there'll be a team in Mexico City. So that furthers to me, we're going to get a round of expansion and it's not going to be another 20 years before we see more teams after that. I think it's probably going to be more of in the range of five years at most. And then we're going to get a couple more teams. And I I, I think I just am not reporting anything, just reading everything, putting everything together. My belief is Seattle and Las Vegas this round. Then we're going to get another team in Canada and mm-hmm. another in the team in Mexico City in the next round. I think that's where we're headed. The other team in Canada could be Vancouver. Montreal has made a lot of noise about wanting a team uh, in, in the recent years. So I think that's probably where we're going. And then that'll be how, how it'll all move forward with that. And they'll, they'll do a whole thing in that round of like, it's a global game. And this is, you know, they're as much as they know they're never going to catch soccer as the world's game. Like I think the NBA is very happy to be positioned as the second most popular team sport worldwide. And, and they'll, they'll push in on that and, and everything. So, cause he talked about it too. And um, Hey, it was about the next TV rights. How mm-hmm. did, just the landscape has changed and we don't need to get a lot into because we've talked about it with streaming and all that. We also said we have to own, like we're a global league, like 30% of players were not born in the U S in the NBA now. So he's like, we, we, we have, we, our game stretches far beyond just our, our base, you know, United States market now. So he talked a little bit about that too. And that, that leads me to believe, I think they've experimented a little bit with making sure on the weekends, there's one early game, either Saturday or Sunday, often featuring a team that has a player like from Europe or somewhere. I think we're probably going to see a little bit more of that on the weekends. We're not going to get like Tuesday afternoon games. It's just not going to be a thing because yeah. don't it's, it'd be too much of a loss here stateside for those weekend games. And it's, my thing is you just don't do what they've done in the past where it's, they do them when there's football season on. And then it's yeah. like, we get past football season and then there's, we get the Sunday ABC games, but then there's like no afternoon games, half the Saturdays for the rest of the year. Like we should have them, you know, take advantage. I'm going to watch it all the time, but like, yeah, especially after football season, we should probably have Saturday and Sunday. There should be one game that starts somewhere in the three o'clock range at the latest. Like, I think it'd be a great idea because it's also good for kids, right? If you want to get really young kids to be able to watch a whole game like that, that's the best way to do one of those afternoon games. So yeah, We'll see where it all goes. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. Take advantage of football not being around. As I said, this is the NBA's time to shine right now. Uh, without without football being in season and Major League Baseball hasn't started up yet. MLS, I know that's to a lesser degree, has not started up yet either. So you, you've got the spotlight right now. Run with it if you're the NBA. Um, let's jump over here to the the Blazers. Then we're going to get into some 10-day uh, contracts and stuff, some two-ways and stuff as well. Uh, Shaden Sharp had abdominal surgery, and so he's out six weeks. And Malcolm Brogdon is out a couple of weeks as well. So... Again, we say this. We kind of preface this with you know the Blazers. They're not they're not in position to win games right now anyway. But this is chemistry time. This is figuring out what you've got, what works, what doesn't work. This can inform your opinions uh, and the moves that you make during the summer. And so, even though you can say, well, this doesn't really hurt them because it's not going to change. You know, they're going to lose games anyway. That's true. But this loses you know evaluation time, which can be really important. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you, you wanted to be able to come out of this season with somewhere in the range of 500 to 600 minutes of Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, and Scoot Henderson lineups with whatever it was around them. It, whether it's DeAndre Ayton and Jeremy Grant or whatever other combinations uh, Chauncey Billups could dream up, just those three guys um, in, in lineups together, just so you have a sense of what does it look like. And and I don't know where it's at, but I know it's nowhere close to that. It's it's not even in the range. I'd be surprised. It's probably not even over a hundred at this point. And you're so so you just now you're playing it out with without that. And then the Brogdon one is tough because with Sharp out, it's they've really been running a three guard rotation of Simons, Henderson, and Brogdon. And Simons has missed some time. Brogdon's now out again for two weeks. Henderson's also missed some time. So it's it's just messy. And, it, and it's you're absolutely right. The wins loss part doesn't matter. You're probably losing those games anyway. It's the 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 data collection of what does this look like? How does it feel with these players on the court together? That's what you miss. That's where it turns from a lost season win loss wise to just a fully lost season. That's mm-hmm. you way behind. I think a big chunk of why the Detroit Pistons, who very quietly, they're only a half game behind Washington. They're, they're four now, and five they, in their last nine. Yeah, playing well um, for them. <laughs> I should preface that. Sure. But much better than they had. But I believe a big reason they get off to the terrible start this year was last year turned into a completely lost season. They were a bad team. They were probably going to always be a bad team. But if they have, would they have Cade Cunningham for like 10 or 11 games? Mm-hmm. That's just now that's just a wasted year. You 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 gained nothing out of that entire year as far as understanding his own development. What is it? What kind of players fit best with him and all that? And it we're seeing it took a full half a season for the Pistons to start to play better. Now a lot of that was nonsensical lineups and other silly stuff that sure. went on, but some of that was, hey, we just got to catch up again. We didn't have any of these data points to work with. So that's that's where this stuff gets tough. Yeah, and that's true. That's where it really becomes difficult with losing these guys. All right, let's finish up with this. Um, a little 10-day contract roundup, Keith. I know you've got a bunch of them you wanted to, you wanted to roll through here. Yeah, so I'm also going to include some two-ways and some other yeah. minor-ish transactions in here because a lot of this stuff happened kind of after we had wrapped up at the end of last week. Uh, with the trade deadline. So uh, maneuvering around rosters. So the, the Memphis Grizzlies, they they ended up uh, clearing a roster spot uh, through their trade deadline maneuvering. They, they signed Gigi Jackson to a four-year deal. Uh, the fun kind of thing with the, um, the Gigi Jackson four-year deal was that it uh, got them, uh, they, they basically did the equivalent of the second round pick exception, but because he had already signed a contract, he wasn't eligible to sign that second round pick exception. So they basically did it for him out of the non-taxpayer. Then they backfilled his spot with Trey Jemison, who had been there on a 10, 10-day hardship deal. Uh, big kid, rebounds really well, plays well around the rim. So that that's just Memphis making good use of their bottom of the roster spots. Vince Williams Jr. continues to play well. He was a little bit ahead of uh, Jackson as far as getting converted from a two-way. The Sacramento Kings opened up a roster spot when they traded for Robin Lopez and then waved him. Trey Gem- or not Trey Jemison, Keon Ellis, rather. Uh, was converted from his two-way contract, uh, brought in. And then Mason Jones, who I know you know because he, he was with the Lakers and in their system for a little while, he comes in on a two-way behind Keon Ellis. Oklahoma City uh, converted Lindy Waters the third, who's been 
on and off their roster the last couple of years. Uh, now he's back on a standard contract off a two-way contract. And then they backfilled his spot with Adam Flagler is coming in. They also signed Bismack Biombo. Um, mm-hmm. They opened up two roster spots in the Gordon Hayward trade. So Bismack Biombo comes in, gives them a little bit of front court depth uh, the rest of the year. Toronto Raptors signed. Um, the first guy is uh, Mohamedou Gay, um, who had been uh, playing for their G League team, Raptors 905. And then a very familiar name, Justice Winslow, um, who had been playing for them in mm-hmm. Raptor with Raptors 905. He came in on a 10-day contract as well. So, so a lot of movement coming in. Grizzlies are going to sign Jordan Goodwin, who was waived uh, by the Nets after that three-team trade that sent Royce O'Neal to the Suns. Uh, he got waived, so he's now going to get um, a 10-day deal with the uh, Grizzlies. That sounds like it's another hardship. They've still got a ton of guys out with injuries. And then I think the last one was Alondis Williams was signed to a two-way deal to backfill R.J. Hampton. Um, R.J. Hampton just what, what wasn't really working out. He was a guy uh, Orlando had high hopes for at one point. Just was not playing playing uh, well for them. They they let him loose. Detroit brought him in. Detroit cut him loose. Now Miami. So I just don't know if he's he, his next stop is probably overseas somewhere. But Alondis Williams, he's a big point guard, and we just went through it. They need ball handlers, so it wouldn't be surprising yeah. to see Alondis Williams actually get some real reps uh, with Miami's uh, uh, NBA team here in the, in the next little bit. So that that's a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of movement. Bunch of those guys signed two-year two-way contracts, um, which you see often at the end of, end of this year. Um, Jones, Flagler, and Jemison. So that's just something to keep an eye on because then they're probably going to be in summer league with those teams and things like that. So a lot, lot of lot of movement coming. Still, still going to be quite a bit more shuffling to go here over the next uh, couple weeks. I'll just reiterate it: March first is the deadline. If a player is going to be eligible to play in the playoffs, they have to be waived by March first. I have to be signed by March 1st, but they have to be waived uh, by March 1st. So that's the kind of last last big transactional uh, date to really watch for here. And then I think it's a week after that or two weeks after that, I'll have to get the exact date. Two-way contracts lock in and you can't sign anybody else to a two-way. So so we're, 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 we've got a couple more things uh, to come with all of that. Keith, you powered through those, those, those 10 day, those more minor moves, but, uh, but Everybody, I think that about wraps things up for today. Again, go check out the Basketball Bulletin. I'll put the link in the description down below. Our great sponsor, BetUS. You can find the link there as well for them. And, of course, subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Podcast listeners over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Would appreciate your support there as well with the five-star rating and review. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.